the giant thinkers giant thinkers podcast hey guys welcome to the show I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Welcome to episode number 24. I'm Ram Castillo here on the Giant Thinkers podcast. Thank you for being here. I had the pleasure of doing a metaphorical tango with the brilliant mind of the executive design director and national creative director of Deloitte Digital. He has consulted with Fortune 50 companies, built agencies, created brands, and shares with us his knowledge and wisdom collected from a diverse range of experiences, clocking over to 20 years in the industry. This is an extremely well-rounded interview. There's massive takeaway for designers and non-designers. We spoke about his obsession for problem solving at an early age, which included trying to single-handedly change his grandmother's black and white TV to color. Um, We spoke about his top tips for getting your foot in the door at a design company, the power of sweating the details with your online and offline communication, his thoughts on why being interested comes before interesting, how your personality can contribute to an organization, his advice on starting any business, and insights on augmented reality. So much juice. But before we begin, I'd like to introduce you to our sponsor for this episode, a reminder that sponsors help keep this show going and that I never advocate products that I haven't used, tried, and tested myself. I want you giants to have a look at Igloo. That's I-G-L-O-O. It's modern cloud-based intranet software accessible on any device with a web browser. Now, before you skip this part, imagine a central meeting place that connects three things, people, information, and processes. Everyone has access to whatever they need using tools they already know. So for example, if you use file sharing such as Dropbox or Google Drive and have conversations over Gmail, Outlook, or Slack, it's all integrated. How about Calendar, Salesforce, Office, and Google Apps for Work? That's all covered too. Simply drag and drop the apps you want onto your control center page. Basically, design your intranet site to work the way you do. You know your company best, so you decide how your intranet looks and how to get around it. I've got a heap of friends using this, uh, whether you're a startup or a globally recognized company. I highly encourage you to check out Igloo especially if you have a small team, even a team as small as three, and work remotely. Now, they've been generous enough to give Giant Thinkers listeners a free trial. Head to giantthinkers.com slash igloo. That's I-G-L-O-O. If nothing else, you've got to see their very quirky and cool 30-second video on there. And if that hasn't intrigued you, they've also been recognized as one of the fastest growing technology companies in both Canada and North America, alongside names such as Tesla, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Once again, that's giantthinkers.com slash igloo. Alrighty, it's time to get stuck into this fascinating episode. He describes himself as spending an obsessive amount of his life daydreaming about how to improve the world around him, the humble and wise Nelson Kunkel. Nelson Kunkel, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast, mate. It's a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's humbling and a privilege to be here. I'm excited, mate. A lot of people um, have heard about um, Deloitte, so uh, we're going to get into all that uh, in a bit. Um, but first off, it is a icebreaker question that I ask most of my guests here, and yours is, which cartoon do you feel best represents you? Ah, uh, I was ready for the shower one. I think you've asked that before. <laughs> uh, cartoon best represents me. Mm. This is a, gosh, this sounds like something my, my therapist would ask me. Um, <laughs> so without turning it into a psychological test, I, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I'm probably to show my age. The first thing that comes to mind would be, would be uh Wiley Coyote. Yeah. If, okay. If yeah. Listeners, you're familiar with Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, but absolutely. That's probably the cartoon that comes to mind only because there's sort of mix of like this incredibly crafty sort of quick witted, uh, coyote who chases a road run around the desert and hopelessly never actually <laughs> gets. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah. I guess I guess that, that'd be it. I'll keep it to that. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, mine would have to be Popeye, I would say just not because of the, um, overly enlarged, uh, forearms, but the, uh, the spinach. I do like my spinach. So, oh, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. So where would you say your expertise lies? You just, you just go right out of the gate. Don't you? I, I, do. I would, gosh. <laughs> so my expertise, tell me what you do. Tell me what you do. Um, I, I guess to, to oversimplify my expertise is in problem solving, uh, typically, typically through the creative arts, through design, uh, through designing the verb of designing. Um, I, I'd probably say this actually came up today at lunch. Someone was very complimentary of me, uh, uh, individual I was having lunch with. And he said that he, he thought from the outside that, that, uh, that I was very good at sort of rooting conversations into tangible ideas and, and sort of looking across a bunch of different things and being able to connect, uh, the pieces and parts. I thought that was really, really uh, nice of him. Um, uh, I think, you know, I don't necessarily see myself that way, but I'd, I'd say that probably one of the things I'd like to try to do best is, is to notice relationships between things that might seem unrelated or disparate and pull them together. And mm. I, it's what I try to do for clients. It's what I try to do, uh, honestly at home, uh, in, in my own head, as I'm working through my own psychology mm. and neuroses. I love um, yeah. Very cool. Uh, so you've actually jumped around a bit all over the States, but, uh, can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not a, not a tragic story, nor necessarily a very compelling one. I grew up in, uh, in, uh, New York state in, in the upstate in the country, um, grew up literally, uh, living, uh, in a farmhouse next to a, a giant chicken farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, later, sort of later in my childhood moved to the suburbs. I was, I'm the, I am the son of a, a lawyer and a teacher, which gave me sort of this interesting mix of, 
of uh, seeing a lot of gray area and um, and sort of uh, being raised in a, in a very, um, uh, I guess, socially liberal environment, um, uh, but certainly not not one that had uh, necessarily, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a tremendous um, uh, wealth or anything. I would say we had a we had a, a pretty pretty modest uh, modest childhood. My sister and I uh, did lots of road trips in the summer and, and uh, my parents did a lot to sort of expose us to things as much as possible. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say the, the one thing was um, certainly as a child, I think what my parents in hindsight did very well is they never necessarily encouraged me or discouraged me from doing it, any one thing or another. Um, sort of raised me as, as someone who was able to sort of figure out how to express myself, which probably, again, in hindsight, led to uh, led to a very creative career and a design-based career as someone who was trying to figure out how to sort of survive in the world and and uh, understand the world emotionally and physically and, and um, yeah. Nice. And you uh, took uh, design in, in, in school or, or, or university. How were you introduced to, to that world? I did. I, I, I took, took design in university. I actually started out in, uh, in high school. I thought I would very much take to architecture um, and did a, did a high school internship in architecture and, and found it incredibly boring mm-hmm. um, uh, for, for my temperament. I'm, mm-hmm. I, tend to, I tend to have a little bit of uh, what they would now classify as, as attention deficit disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, they didn't have it back when I was a, a child. Otherwise, I might have been medicated. Um, so uh, so I, I sort of going through that um, trying to figure out what to do with, with a creative inclination. And honestly, in a, in a, in a time where really the only thing available was art school and art school was something that, that even I personally wasn't necessarily interested. I wasn't necessarily interested in the fine arts. I was interested in finding something that would help me solve problems. I spent a lot of time as a kid taking things apart. And I think it, it, drove my parents crazy. I yeah, would, you, I would you were take... actually saying, uh, sorry to interrupt you, before you were yeah. talking about your uh, grandmother's TV. Yeah, I, uh, that... uh, I, I, I did. I, I took, took apart the television. It was an old black and white television and I just I don't know what I, what I was thinking, but I snuck it into the basement and spent an entire day um, trying to make it color. I don't, don't ask me how. I just... But literally like assembling vacuum parts into it and all sorts of things. And the only thing I could get was I, I ruined the image. I, I effectively ruined the entire television, except <laughs> I did get this literally this like what we'd say now is like a one pixel thin line across the screen that was sort of had a green hue to it. So I was convinced that somehow I had achieved my goal of creating a color television out of yeah, black you, and white. You added but, green. Well, it was either that or, or it turning into a microwave or something. So Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or blowing myself up, which I'm surprised I didn't do more than once. Right, right. Okay, that's that's very cool. Really interesting. So um, what a lot of people probably don't know is that you actually started many businesses, in fact, founding or co-founding seven, to be precise, um, to date. Now, I'm curious to know what they all were just very briefly listing them down perhaps and, and what you learned from each one. Gosh, uh, they're probably mostly not that interesting. Um, I've started a couple, uh, design agencies. Um, I've, uh, 
I've co-founded a winery. Uh, I've, I started a t-shirt company. Um, I helped to co-found a, a search marketing company. Um, I don't know how many of that's up to. I've, I've been an investor in a, a restaurant franchise. Uh, I've started a, a holding company for commercial real estate. A few other things along the way. Some of them incredibly boring and dull and just the desperation of trying to make money. But um, I think in terms of in terms of what I learned, I think it, it's in looking back, each one of those sort of taught me something else. And I think the, the how they built themselves uh, sort of in the timeline of when they happened in, the, in sort of the story and period of my life is also very interesting because I think each one of those, whether they were success, success or failure, uh, turned into something else. I'd certainly say that my first business was a it was a running literally a t-shirt <laughs> shop essentially out of my locker in high school, um, and it it taught me it first taught me I thought it was just an exercise and just ex again expressing my creativity and trying to create these t-shirts and this thing and working with print shops and trying to figure all that out all that out and it taught me a lot about sort of introduction to to finance and to money. And it certainly taught me about sales. And those two things were things that I always carried with me into uh, other parts of uh, of my career, for sure. Mm. It's interesting uh, you bring that up because uh, when it comes to uh, being a designer, um, I certainly um, coming into the to the sort of area of that, I was first focused on getting my technical ability up to speed. Then you quickly realize that it's actually um, the design thinking and the problem solving that is more important than that. And then you actually go in further as you progress and realize, well, hold on a minute, um, business thinking, the mechanics, process, resource allocation, time management, um, the financial aspect of it, charging what you're worth, negotiation, client presentations, educating the client, you being educated often as well. It's, it's actually something where I have always thought that there should be uh, a business module uh, taught early on to help understand the role of design because it's actually just a, a, a slither of what you have experienced firsthand at an early age, for example, with the t-shirt company, um, even though it was a small one in your locker room, it's the same sort of scale that you are um, exercising that would need to be uh, considered um, for a larger t-shirt company, perhaps. <laughs> I, I think, I think you're right. I think you, I, I agree with, with all of that. I think the, the complexity of the business in, in design and creative is it's not as simple as just understanding the tools, uh, you know, Photoshop or, or, you know, pick, pick any of your favorite tools. It's, it's, it's literally in comparison, just one small sliver of that pie of what you're going to need to succeed. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great observation. Very cool. Um, and and the winery. I just keep thinking about this winery. Do you still have it? 
<laughs> I, I don't. I don't. We sh we shut it down. It's an incredibly complex business that, that requires a lot of paperwork. And when I joined Deloitte, I just didn't have time to help my partner manage that piece of it. Mm. My partner did all the actual winemaking. A brilliant, brilliant winemaker, and um, uh, he spent a lot of time. It's not as not as sexy as it as it sounds. He spent a lot of time in cold storage rooms, running around in forklifts, trying to rotate barrels and, and, uh, do a lot of cleaning and, and a lot of grunt work. But, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a beautiful business. It's, it's also one of the hardest businesses I've ever been a part of. Mm. Um, and it taught me a lot about partnerships, which are also for those of your listeners that are either as in partnerships or considering partnerships, it's, it's not easy. It is, they, they say it's a marriage and they're not joking. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, who you choose to go into business with can uh, significantly shape the future of that business. And the other thing that was really interesting for me was going from sort of a life in the service industry, uh, client service industry and, and the problem solving industry into going into a product business hmm. where it's no longer just the getting paid really good money to do a thing. It's getting paid very little money to create a lot of things that you're hoping that volume and popularity and all sorts of things make up for, mm. um, and obviously quality and, and all of that and understanding sort of from the, the outside in what it's like to market a product, package a product, present a product, talk about a product is completely different when it's your company versus when you're on a lot of in what we do uh, in our seats is is sitting on the creative side and being able to sort of look at it from the inside out and, and, and reinterpret it and take everyone else's sort of labors of love and find a way to be objective enough to say, I can help you package that and help you sell that and help you say the right things in almost an unemotional way that just feels right and so clear to us as designers and creative people. When you're doing it, when it's your product, it's so much harder to disassociate yourself from that emotional connection that it's, it's a really difficult challenge. Which um, of, the, of the seven businesses would you say meant, meant the most to you? I would, I would probably have to say uh, my last agency that I founded, um, I founded it while living in, in Vail, Colorado, and I actually uh, sort of built the bulk of it and ran it out of uh, out of New York City. Um, it was a it was a, for lack of better words, it was an interactive branding agency where we did sort of what is now deemed digital digital brand work or digital interactive work. Plus, we also got into the heart and soul of the brands and shaping the brand of the companies and, and businesses that we worked with. And I, I think that's the first one that comes to mind and the most powerful one that comes to mind because of learning a lot about what it means to just design across a business, not necessarily focused on all we do is a website or all we do is a, is a, a trade show booth or something else. Mm. It was thinking about all those pieces and parts and the harmony that you can create or the disharmony that you can create if you don't you don't understand the relationship that all of those things have for a customer or consumer of that business. Mm. And I think the other piece was just, um, if I think about the people that I got a chance to work with at that agency, um, uh, they were people that were 
really sort of driven by their values and their hearts and uh, our creative director, uh, uh, honestly, of, of all people taught me and introduced me to the idea of just being so honest in the work that you do. He just brought this, this, I won't even say integrity because that sounds like uh, a little bit political and we're mired in politics over here in the U S right now. So I'm <laughs> avoiding it, but um, we're it, it, this, this idea of just being, just being honest and just being true in your work and not trying to grandstand and not try to be deceptive or not try to spin things, but to just have these great uh, sort of emotional driven projects that, that, the people on the team could connect to, and then ultimately the clients could connect to, uh, was really powerful. It's something that, uh, experience that, you know, I'll never forget for that, that reason. Yeah, that's really, um, really cool. Thank you for sharing, um, for sharing all that. And, and, uh, I'd like to now jump on to, uh, the Deloitte digital side of your life. Um, so you're currently the ECD, uh, slash national design director there in the States for Deloitte digital. Um, based in San Fran, and you've actually been with the company for over four years. Uh, I'm sure the listeners would love to know about Deloitte Digital itself, what they do, and what your role and responsibilities are within the company. Sure. So Deloitte Digital, uh, uh, it's it's within the Deloitte family. Most people have heard of Deloitte. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, often it's associated with... Uh, uh, sort of audit and tax services. We also have a, a giant, it's actually our largest division right now is our consulting division. Um, and about four to four and a half years ago, we launched what is now Deloitte Digital. Uh, Deloitte Digital is a creative digital consultancy, which is just a fancy way of saying that we've figured out how to bring uh, sort of the, the, the role of creative, the role of design, the role of design thinking into the world of consultancy. So we now have people that think about strategy and core business and, and technology integration and implementation sitting side by side with people who think about the human arts, people who think about users and customers, people who ask questions about why and who and when and it's it's bringing together sort of that end-to-end -end view of our client's business, that you're not only thinking about uh, how to run that business, how to set up tools for that business, how to think through the implications of complex systems, uh, operations, sales chain, et cetera, but you're also thinking through or often now driving those conversations from the consumer's perspective. So knowing who's going to benefit from our work is as important as being able to execute on very complicated technical work. Hmm. And that's essentially what we do. It's, it's, it's a mix of everything that we see in, in traditional digital agencies, um, uh, down through, uh, system integration and, and strategy consulting and, and, uh, sort of the mix of it. So what would a, uh, regular day in the life of or a week in the life of look like uh, when you're, I guess, coming into the office, you're working on, on one project, multiple projects, or um, you, you managing teams, presenting? Yeah, it's really, it's really two things. So it's, um, we're still, we're still very nascent. It's, it's the early stages in a lot of ways of, of trying to figure this out. And I think partly because the business world is still trying to figure out the role of design, the role of creative in a meaningful way that's not just 
sort of relegated to the marketing department. Um, so there's really two things that I do on a, on sort of a, a daily basis or weekly basis. One is, is I'm a part of a growing team, really talented team of people who are internally evangelizing the value of design, the value of thinking a little differently, the value of expressing yourself, the value of sort of feeling the gut and being able to then create something that shows, uh, an understanding a vision, um, uh, that shows an answer in a, in a much different way than you would if you, if your only tools in this world were the sort of primitive tools of PowerPoint and Excel and, mm -hmm. and, and Word docs. So that's certainly a, a big part of it. And that's a very, that's a very internal, uh, job. And it's something that we're, we're constantly doing. My team is doing, uh, my peers are doing, um, the other piece of that is then taking that, taking that out to clients. So still working to this day with clients to help them again, see things uh, just a little bit differently, um, figuring out how to shape their conversation, helping them to define a better problem, not necessarily the problem they think they have, but the one that, the one that they need to solve. Um, and that, that can be a tricky proposition. And again, and I think we're at a period in the environment, at least that I've been exposed to where design or call it creative often just gets associated with people who make things pretty. Mm. And the more we see brands emerging, design-led brands, creative-led brands, creative-led businesses, the more we're starting to sort of become as a society much more aware and conscious of the role that, that creative plays in it. And it's certainly not simply just boiled down to the aesthetic. It's much more than that. And that's literally what, not to be too vague, but that's sort of what we do and what I do on a daily basis. Do you uh, hire by any chance or do you do the interviewing? I, I do. Okay. I do. So my next question would then be with that last point that you made, um, what are you looking for to tick off that box that says, okay, we've got someone that has the potential to, um, think beyond, um, the, let's be honest, the everyday, um, sort of graduate that comes through the gate who is, um, and I was one of them, you know, was focusing a lot on the aesthetics. Yeah, I, that's, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'd almost love to hear your answer, but let me, that, that, <laughs> that sounds it. like I'm avoiding it. So let no, me um, go for it. Yeah. I mean, like, have you got an example of, of an interview where you've, you, and who is now uh, a hired employee where you've gone, okay, well, that was a standout because dot, dot, dot. Sure. I, hmm. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is it's a standout because uh, that individual is clearly someone who can sweat the details. I, I, I still, to this day, I'll get, I'll get resumes or portfolios from people who've been in the business 10, 20 years and it's sloppy. It's, it's created in a, a resume is created in a word doc. Their email is a, is a Gmail account in a world where it costs literally a few dollars a month to get your own mail server. Uh, they're using a, a portfolio service that took them maybe a day <laughs> to, to set up and it feels lazy and it, and it feels like someone who doesn't really 
appreciate or, or live, maybe live the work that they do. And the people who we tend to hire, the people who stand out to me personally are the people who you can tell that they've, they've thought about it. They've paid attention. They've sweated those details. And if they're going to sweat the details about themselves, then for sure, when they actually get paid to do it, you will assume that they're going to, that they're going to sweat it even more. Um, I think, I think that's a piece of it. I think the other piece is it's honestly just having something to say. And when I sit down and talk with candidates, people who understand and have learned, taught themselves how to frame their thoughts, um, how to think about a reason why, doesn't mean they have to know everything, but at least have an opinion, have something that that connects back to um, uh, to to some sort of purpose you know, right or wrong, uh, to me is, is a standout trait in either, in either, uh, people right out of school or people that have been in the industry for, for a lifetime. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's actually hard to find. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, with both of those things, the, the details are a, a, a tangible way to express, um, uh, f- for them or, or to, uh, sort of, um, communicate to the employer that um, they care that much um, and that it is a lifestyle to them uh, in in any form um, including the domain names and to that degree all the way down to um, if I check their Instagram and what are they doing day to day um, are they taking photos of you know um, their lunch or are they taking interesting photos of how they see the world um, all the way to what you said as well about um, talking about their work or having an opinion. A lot of the times there's a, there's a lack of self-belief, which is a separate thing, but when it comes to the work um, it may not be a hundred percent formed in terms of its its um its solution but i'm dying to know how that person got to that point you know how did how did they get to that particular solution and, well that's yeah yeah i i'd agree there's there's certainly a lot to be said for the thought process and and are people again conscious about their own work or are they just going through the motions a lot of times junior designers or younger designers will will often just stop at it not to not to make this sound derogatory but it just it just i like it and i like it is is so subjective that uh, they're going to have a really hard time sitting with a client who who might not like it <laughs> mm. and explain to them why it is the right thing regardless of who likes it and who doesn't it's not, it's not personal it's something that it, design is a very powerful tool that can literally shape people's perceptions of a product, of a business, of a service, and having someone that can even talk through their thought process and what that might mean to them is, is incredibly valuable. I, I want to say the other thing that just occurred to me as you were saying that is, I think, especially for people who are just starting out in our business, don't feel like you need to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's very powerful for you to be interested and showing that you're interested is, is much different can't tell you how many resumes I get where people talk about all their hobbies and all their stuff. 
it doesn't matter because guess what? I've, I've seen a hundred of those in that day hmm. where people say, I'm also a snowboarder and I also love reading or I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it isn't that interesting, but it is interesting to me to see that you're interested, you're interested in new technology, you're interested in things that aren't necessarily digital, or you're interested in, like you said, in photography. Well, what about photography? Tell me something that's, that's, that's much better than just, I like to walk around with a camera and take photos and then apply Instagram filters to them. Mm. If, if you can, if you can do that, then you show that you're a thinker and you're looking out beyond your own horizon and trying to observe the world and understand the world. And that to me is a really valuable skill. Yeah. Oh man, so many things running through my head right now. So the first one is the, the question that I often get asked a lot is, um, you know, what do I say when the employer says, tell me about yourself? And that's almost like a booby trap because often they do go on that tangent and talk about, you know, what they like reading, what they like doing on weekends. And, and I often reframe that and, and advise, um, people to, uh, look at the question as rather, um, something more interesting, like how did you, how did you grow up and, and why are you interested in design? And, and it's, it's, it's such an open question. Um, tell me about yourself that they often forget that they're in an interview looking for, um, the, the employer is looking for competence, your attitude towards the business. Do they care about the business? Do they even know what we do? Can they meet the same vision that we have? And it's an, it's an open question, but I often say, move it and direct it to, to what they are looking for. And when you have questions such as how did you grow up and, and, and which they will never ask, you know, but they will ask. So tell me about yourself. Thank you so much for, for, for coming here. You know, what have you been up to? Tell, tell us a bit about what you're doing. That, that's like an open question that sometimes they're talking about their, their party in Cancun that they had last year, or I don't know, like their graduation party where who knows what they were doing, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's often like that, that one there is the, the one where you, you, that is your, that is like an open net to kind of go, I was born into this world with these values and it allowed me to get curious and, and, and it formed my, um, my calling to maybe not even calling, but it, it fed the beast that is now, um, my, uh, my sort of endeavor or my, my pursuit to learn more about, um, you, human experiences. Um, and if yeah. you could, if you could extend that even further to then say, because that's, that's very much in the past. So then to, to transition that where you've been to the future, what do we do as designers? We're, we're now in an age where we're learning more and more to talk about outcomes, not necessarily just deliverables or just objects. So if you could even spin that question to talk about what are the outcomes that you as an individual are trying to accomplish? Where, where is that then that past going to lead your future? And if you could talk about that in terms of outcomes, in terms of the things that you see shaping or influencing you or wanting to influence that to me would be really powerful as someone who was on the other end of that interview to hear that from an individual that they they have this 
ability to be a little bit insightful about what they're trying to accomplish, not necessarily just talking about tools and assets and, and the work. Yeah, for sure. Um, I couldn't agree more with that, you, you know, and that's the thing, right? They, they can themselves, you know, go into the interview, getting straight into the heart of, of how passionate they are by expressing, um, by expressing themselves in that way, rather than sort of plodding along, you know, talking about, um, how, they might uh, be really struggling to to look for work at the moment, so they've just been hanging out with their friends. Like honestly, I've I have heard it all, and it's and it's kind of like, well, this is your shot, and you've got sometimes not even half an hour, um, and and it's and it, that's a missed opportunity. Um, the other the other thing as well was um, it's just uh, slipped my mind now, but it's um. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Um, but uh, let's jump into the top three practical tips you would give to design students then um, or, or graduates um, getting their foot in the door. Um, any any advice that you would specifically give um, for uh, helping them get through the door? Gosh, well, I, I think we've we've covered a few of them. Yeah. Um, I'd certainly say I'd certainly say uh, sweating the details of of you know that first impression you make is literally everything. I I hit the delete button so many times a day on on resumes just because of it, it could be the first the header. It could be again the the Gmail stuff. It just drives me crazy. And the business that we're in, and people are digital designers, and and they're using you know tools that that don't show any, any attention or any sort of <laughs> flame, flame for the passion of what we do. Um, I, I'd say part of it's, part of it's maybe embracing the idea of, of being uncomfortable. I think there's this, there's this intimidation factor from the outside looking in, you look at, you look at, you know, high profile companies, you look at high profile individuals and, and we just say, oh man, they, they just must have it all together. They just must know so much. And who am I? but just this lowly individual that's just getting started and, and I'm going to tuck my head between my legs and just sort of, you know, wimp into the business. And I, I think, I think, you know, the reality is nobody really knows. I work with executives all the time and they're still, they're still struggling for answers. And part of it is the ones that are really successful, the ones that admit to themselves that they don't know the answer, or sometimes they don't know what they don't know to be, to be a little bit cliche about it. Mm. And I think for people who are starting out who say, yeah, I'm willing to also admit that I don't know, and maybe you don't either. So let's have a conversation about figuring that out. And again, to have an, an opinion, just an opinion, right? It's, it sounds scary, but it's not that hard to read a few articles and make a few notes and then come to your own conclusions and show your own personality and to, and to have your own reason of why that might be or might not be the right thing. I think that opens a lot of doors with people. It opens the doors when you have a conversation with someone. It opens the doors when you're trying to think through how you write your resume or how you write your profiles and how you you start to be a little bit honest with yourself about who you are and what you can give to a business or whether it's you're starting out as a freelance career and you just want to start getting clients, you want to say something interesting, you want to have something to say in the first place, or whether you're just trying to get a job. 
um, I think those are those are really powerful traits. Mm. I just remembered now, actually, you, you triggered that. So thank you. Uh, what I was going to say earlier, but um, it ties in really well with this. And that is um, I backstory here. I had a uh, student who decided to have some consultation with me. And his story is that he um, finished design school in 2014 and then 2015, uh, which was last year, he was uh, working um, half as a designer um, in this company, but he, the other half of his role was in sales. And so he um, plugged on with that, but the company went bust. So then he had to get let go. And then so he's just been getting by as a uh, housekeeper at a, at a hot hotel and also sometimes a kitchen, a kitchen hand, but he could only get couple shifts a week and he finally after six months he got his first interview a real junior digital design role at a at a company and he was so excited and overwhelmed that he um, wanted some coaching so he contacted me we we spent almost two hours um talking about what he has to do during the interview and he had some really good questions and and totally not not common but one of them was um, what do I say when they, he, firstly, he kept saying that I feel like I'm not, I'm not competent enough, or I, I feel like I have so many things that they have in their criteria on the job description. And I'd feel that I'm not that. And, and I said, well, hold on, let's break this down. So we did long and the short of it uh, was that he did have the foundations to meet all those criteria. And I reminded him that the job description is actually they they have to make it their perfect candidate that they're after, but they know full well that sometimes there might be one or two things that might not be um, met, um, but they'll still hire that person um, because it maybe it's something that they can easily teach. Um, but the question that he has asked uh, me that I often get asked by others is um, around weaknesses and and he just is terrified. He was terrified about this question. And he, he said, I don't know if you pull it up on the internet, but there was one, he said, what do I say? If they say, what would your previous employers say about, uh, about, uh, areas you can improve oh, on? I hate that question. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a, that's such an interviewee question. That's like, I right. Googled you right, right before you stepped in the door, I Googled the top five interview questions and I'll oh, really? <laughs> to, you know, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a, tr that's a trick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, what do I say, Ram? I don't know what to say. And then I, I said, um, I said, you have, this is, this was my, uh, answer to him. I said, they know you don't know everything. They know that you're, you, you only know to what, uh, the experiences you've had to date and, how you should reframe the answer should be more about the area that you don't know, but you want to know, you, you know? And I said, for example, he wanted to be more, more a part of the collaboration process because he was just being told what to do in his other job, do this, move this, do that. He right. was like, I'm like a Mac monkey. Whereas he wanted to be part of the, uh, the creative collaboration, the meetings, the client presentation, even sitting in. And, and I said, perfect, use that as an area that you have lack of knowledge of, but you feel that there's an opportunity to learn more about 
if given the opportunity to work for this company. Um, that's right. Turn, turn a negative into a positive. So that's really sound <laughs> advice. Yeah. And I, and I just, I just bring this up because I know so many listeners um, and, and back to, to that question, you know, the practical tips for design students and graduates getting their foot in the door, most of them, and I was one of them again, are shitting themselves. Like that's the honest truth. Like I'll share you another quick story of, of mine. When I was starting out, uh, I only had one year experience and I got hired on my second interview the creative director said, I'm not hiring you because you are the most competent in terms of technicality and, and technical ability. I'm hiring you because you remind me of me. And I said, what does that mean? And of course, you know, in a nice way, I said, what does that mean? And she said, well, the other people didn't have the, the cultural fit. And that included the attitude, the the hunger, the passion, the, the it's in their blood. And so she saw a part of herself in me. And that's what I try to remind people as well. You know, equally as important is your attitude, your um, interest in the lifestyle of design, not just the role and the, um, the willingness to learn. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, Nelson, I had girls that were knocking back jobs at top design firms. Um, and when I asked why they were saying, well, my parents, they didn't pay $80,000. This is not everyone, but you know, some people have this mentality, you know, uh, my parents didn't pay $80,000 to send me to the best design school in the country just so I can get someone coffees for possibly 12 months or answer phone calls. Um, and you know, I really think that, you, you know, People need to um, remember that um, in order to create credibility, often they need to back themselves up first. They need to um, be generous with what they can leverage and they can leverage their time. You know, they can leverage their effort, their, their, um, their drive. And uh, yeah, that's a little spiel from me. And, and, and their personality, <laughs> I would add on to that. I yeah. think that's, that's a big part of it, right? I mean, a lot of what you're talking about is, is essentially how do you get attention? And I like as you as you were talking about that, it sort of occurred to me that like George Costanza moment of just do the opposite, <laughs> throw away your resume and just write a story about how you are the most incompetent person they will ever meet, and you have zero skills. You you took your entire Adobe Creative Suite and threw it in the trash bin last week and hit delete. Like if you know that in itself would would say okay, here's someone that's literally coming to me and saying. I am just a clean blank slate of raw hmm. energy in design and hire me and make me something that, that in itself would be an interesting standout with, it would rise absolutely to the top of my inbox in a heartbeat. Hmm. Uh, and I, and I've seen that before. And I think that's, I think exactly what you're saying. It's, it's how do you, how do you take advantage of the things that, that you're naturally good at understanding yourself, understanding that you're, you're flawed, understanding that you have things to learn, understanding that your personality, by the way, can contribute a lot to an organization. Uh, if you have the confidence in that, everything else is learnable. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you should be absolutely willing to learn. I mean, there's, there's value in going to a big agency and getting coffee and 
in between using it as a way to get access to some really big corner offices that you might not have access to had you not been bringing them a cup of coffee and striking up a conversation and asking what they're working on and, and looking for opportunities to help just as much as if you want to avoid the entire big agency route and go, go work for a small agency, go work for a little group of people that are three, four people. And guess what? You're, you're not going to have necessarily that cachet of that name on your resume, but you're going to learn all this stuff because you're going to have to do everything. Hmm. You're going to, you're going to jump in and learn about bookkeeping and learn about the sales process and learn about managing the client and setting up files and doing IT troubleshooting. And all of that has, has value to it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and all of that really, you know, you touched on a very important topic there, which we could talk days about, um, but we'll park for this moment, but it's, it's self-awareness um, self-awareness. Uh, and and it actually just reminded me, I was listening to a, uh, the interview with, um, Tim Ferriss and, um, Seth Godin. And one thing that just reminded me of what you were saying was, um, being a raw canvas and all this, um, is, uh, when Seth said, you know, there are quotes out there or whatnot, or statements along the lines of, um, uh, some people are, are born for this. And, and Seth, said, no, they aren't. He just says, um, uh, we were all born naked, afraid with no knowledge. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of things can be learned guys. So I'm really glad, um, that Nelson, you, you brought that up, uh, coming from, from, you know, your experience. Um, it, it, I'm sure it really means a lot to people. It, a, a lot can be learned. And, and, uh, I think it took, it's taken me a lifetime to stop trying to label myself. And I think that was probably the most freeing thing I decided a few years ago uh, was to not worry about fitting into being a designer or a creative or something that had a job title, sort of could summarize all of it up into two or three words. That to me is ridiculous. I mean, who, who am I to have done half the things I've, I've done? I'm completely unqualified. And yet, uh, taking that first step, just taking a little bit of action and having the confidence to just walk into the unknown and just try to figure it out. A, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it and B, you might just be successful at it. And, you know, I, I see this all the time, and especially in our profession, gosh, these UX guys drive me crazy because they just get so, they get so mired in just like the idea of I'm in the UX category and I'm somehow better and at the, at the top of the food chain and the in the creative world. And it's like, ah, but you're, you're just a problem solver with a different set of tools and you're just a designer. And why do you have to limit yourself? Why do you have mm -hmm. to limit yourself to just one thing to, to just, you know, doing whatever wireframes or surveys or like branch out and look around a little bit. And I bet you could solve some really cool problems for all manner of, of businesses. You could probably even start your own company and it might have nothing to do with UX, but understanding sort of having that confidence, as you're saying, to understand the underlying current of why is that interesting to you and why do you, why are you maybe good at it and just natural at it? Or why does it come easy to you is, is, is having that introspection is, is a real gift. Hmm. This really ties in well with uh, the next area I wanted to talk about. Um, and it's the scenario of, um, firstly, the, the designers, uh, who are, just leaving uh, high school, uh, not high school, uh, 
design school um, and that just want to freelance straight away or start their own business. Um, and then versus the other end of the spectrum, let's say designers who have maybe 10 years experience um, and then they want to start their own business or, you know, as you've said, they might have gone to a point of um, UX experience in their career and thought, okay, how can I apply this to um, other other problems in the world or maybe a business idea comes out what what do you advise to get them on the right foot from both those that um, want to freelance straight away because maybe that is actually the motivator why they chose design they want to they want the remote based working they want the the freedom slash lifestyle to do that i do have an opinion on that but i would love to know yours so we'll start with that first so if I'm understanding the question is what would you say to someone who's who's thinking between either I should go work for someone or, or freelance or exactly exactly just, especially yeah. when starting out yeah I I don't I don't know that I necessarily um, can take a side on that because I've I've had personal experiences and I've seen people who've succeeded in both mm. um, I graduated school in a time where I thought I was going to go into advertising because that was the only thing available to completely date myself. I graduated design school in, in 1995 and this is, you know, a year, a year into Mozilla and, and Netscape and, and, mm. uh, used that as this opportunity with two other friends to start a, a back then, uh, uh, what was it called? New media company, <laughs> um, an interactive design agency, uh, to use a completely old term. And, um, uh, we had no idea what we we're doing. And in a lot of ways that was freelancing. We weren't learning from anybody because guess what? There was no one who could teach us. I had in, in design school, we had to, we as students had to teach our professors how to use, uh, how to use Macs, how to, how to figure out the whole desktop world. And, um, I think, I think there is value in taking a leap and just trying to go figure it out. But I would say for most people that you're going to learn a lot by working for others. And even if you just gave yourself a year, two years, give yourself a time limit, but go work for other people because you're going to, you're going to see some things being done really well. You're going to see a lot of things done being done not well. And that to me is is a way to exponentially sort of increase your own learning curve and then figure out, okay, if I am going to go on my own and I am going to start over, at least now I've got some grounding. I've got, I've got something outside of the school environment where I now have made an observation. I've made a judgment of what could be better in this scenario. And now if I'm going to go freelance and get my own get my own clients or build a business and hire employees and go get clients. At least now I have a, I have something to say. Hmm. And now I have a, maybe an inclination of who in the world is going to want to hear that. I don't, I don't know. Does that resonate with you yeah, or what, what would your answer be? You said, you said I, you had a, 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 an opinion about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, my opinion is, is basically there are, um, there are a lot of students, especially now who are, and I look on their LinkedIn profile and I see them branding themselves as a company and they've literally either, they're, they're still studying design uh, or they are, um, they're currently enrolled in a design school. Um, I, I'll clarify. And then, or they are, um, they've just finished and 
um, they're freelancing off the gates. Um, and what I would just advise is, is to at least, even if it's six months, you know, or, or a year, preferably as a minimum, but that is, is, is such an invaluable lesson, um, in the other things outside of what design school can't teach you that you are validating or that you will be exposed to. Um, and it often, um, uh, for me, it it definitely did, you know, it, it, it often, um, uh, comes as a shock to, to start, um, out of, out of, uh, design school, um, to work at a, at a company and, and figure out, oh, well, hold on a minute. I had months to work on that type of project. They want me to deliver that in less than a week. What? Um, et cetera. So, and then I, you're, yeah. you're, you're bringing it full circle, which I really, I really appreciate. Uh, it's, it's magical what you just did there because this is what we talked about earlier, that the skills that got you by, or maybe helped you excel in, in design school, are often not at all the skills that are going to get you by in the workplace. Hmm. Again, it gets back to that that tool discussion of, you know, that that sort of ubiquitous bottom line at the bottom of everyone's resume where they list all the all the apps that they know. And what we realize in the design world is, yep, great, but who cares? Because it's it's again, it's what you do with those apps or your relevance to those apps, your understanding of what those apps are allowing you to accomplish, and then all the all the people skills and the soft skills, and that, and often the things that in school you're, you're simply not exposed to. And I think you're right; that's a huge eye opener for people. Well, it's it's um it's not something that I I definitely want to say is one way or the other as well. And 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 I hope I don't get um you, you know uh, uh misinterpreted uh, here but yeah I, you know it is it is something that i just feel that um is is a very practical approach to actually getting to where you want to be if the freelancing slash starting your own business is a massive motivator um definitely don't want to be um, the the guy that says no don't do that at, at right after leaving uh design school but it's it's something that i feel is just it actually is um the 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 one thing that I often um, feel is a is a great um, forward step, and 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 oftentimes it can seem like a sidestep um, to to get them into that direction. Um, so I I definitely mean well by by that opinion. Um, and uh, so real quick, the other area was uh, others who are maybe 10, 12, 15 years in the industry wanting to start their own business. Um, is it as simple as just testing the market and, and going for it, would you say? Uh, probably not. Um, I think just like any business, uh, it needs to be taken incredibly seriously. It's not for the faint of heart. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, of course, there's there's a testing the market piece of it, which is what's everyone else doing and can you do something that's that's a little bit different? Um, I think the big question in any business is, what do you have to say? Is it anything interesting or is it, is it just the same old? Because if it's the same old, then you can go at it with all the energy and enthusiasm in the world, but it's not going to last. Um, I'd say the other, the other piece of it is, especially for those who are experienced in creating their own business, it's, uh, I've learned a lot about, uh, the talent that you work with. And when you're in the position to hire people, hiring people that are just like you, 
eh, it's not going to go very far. That again, you're just you're just hiring sameness, and you're not, you know, you're not creating an environment of people who are going to challenge not just you as a culture and a business, but but challenge your clients. It's a lot like that that cliche and like look at army movies. Like almost all movies, army movies are the same. You've got you got Joey from Brooklyn and he's the guy that mans the radio. And then you've got, you got, I don't know, Jack, and he's like the big muscle dude and he's the heavy weapons guy. And then you've got whatever the quiet, silent type who's the sniper. And like mm. it's it's there's a reason there's a cliche for that, for that scenario, for that sort of team scenario, because they round each other out and they balance the group. And I think People need to understand that it's not just about skills and I'm bringing a bunch of people here to do really great work because you might just create just an, a completely unsustainable situation as opposed to learning how to read people, learning how to understand yourself, where what you're good at and what you're not good at. And if you can do that and you've got a market that's going to that's gonna want the answer to that, then then you're, you're on to something and you might have a shot at, at doing what you know, very few people can accomplish, which is starting your own company and being successful at it. Yeah, I love it. Perfect. So we've got a couple of questions now before we wind down, uh, Nelson. So uh, a question I ask most of my guests here uh, is if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to your junior self, perhaps the, the youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him? Um, I, yeah, I, gosh, I think I, well, I said this earlier. I think I would definitely tell myself to stop trying to label myself, stop worrying about how to, how to, um, come up with that title of what the heck I do that my mom can understand. (laughs) Um, I think, I think part of it is just understanding the result, understanding like, what is it I'm trying to accomplish? Am I just trying to, am I trying to not to be too trite? Am I trying to just make the world a little bit better than I left it? Am I trying to do something? What's that theme that, that, that's going to like connect like the actions I take on a daily basis with the reality of who I am. And I think, you know, to, to go back and just tell myself like, yeah, it's going to be all right. Like, don't, don't sweat it. Don't get panicked out, panicked when, when you're not necessarily doing something that lines so perfectly with that quote unquote profile going off, going off track or off script can be, can be actually really interesting for yourself. And, and, uh, and, you know, I think I did a lot of that accidentally. It would have been nice to just know that eh, it's just okay. Yeah. Very, very nice. Love it. Um, so who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential. Anyone come to mind? Oh gosh. Um, oh man, it sounds like I'm accepting an, an Oscar award here. Uh, <laughs> um, a, a lot of people, uh, honestly, Go I don't know it. that there's, I don't know that there's one person. I, th- this is, this is completely cliche, but the first person who comes to my mind, honestly, is, is my wife. Uh, she is an individual who has this incredible gift to be present in the moment and there's something about that that uh, it's it's refreshing in this day and age. It's it's she's not someone that necessarily worries about the future, but she plans for it. Hmm. Um, I think the other piece of that is it's it's selfish, quite honestly, because she's able to see me from the outside and and sort of as I think about uh, you know how to be inspired and and how to think 
bigger or think a little differently, having somebody that's so close to you that sees you in your most heroic and vulnerable moments to be able to make observations that that feel like, oh yeah, of course, but I, for some reason I was so close to it, I didn't see it. And I don't know, That's it's, it's a, there's a laundry list of people I could add to that, but you know, uh, I have a friend, his name is uh, Tony Frost. He's incredibly inquisitive, but he's inquisitive with structure and with balance. And that for me has been incredibly uh, uh, big and profound. Uh, J.P. Stollard, who I think you had on your show, I know you had on your show um, a little while ago. He introduced us. Uh, he introduced for the us. listeners. Just so um, yeah. he, he's been incredibly influential just because of his ability to be observant and incredibly introspective in a way that uh, that I think others can relate to. Um, and probably the last person I would add onto there is a, is a gentleman by the name of Dan Rome, a friend of mine from San Francisco who wrote a book called Back of the Napkin and a few follow-up books to that. Um, he's someone that actually started off in a very similar career to mine working for large uh, digital agencies, interactive agencies, and f really connected with what he is personally good at and turned that into a writing career and a career that's changing business, but not necessarily doing it on their terms. It's not doing it on the consultancy terms or on the on the terms of working for someone else. He's doing it on his own terms. And I've, I've always found that incredibly profound. Mm. Very, very uh, nice list of people there. And, and um, thank you for sharing that uh, uh, and expanding how they've, um, impacted your life. Uh, okay. So what's next for you, Nelson, um, for you and, and everything you're involved in this year and, and beyond? Uh, I've got a few side projects going on that, um, I probably can't talk about, uh, Deloitte digital is, uh, is, is, um, going like gangbusters. We just made another acquisition. We just acquired a, uh, a marketing agency, uh, actually in San Francisco. Um, uh, and, uh, there's a lot happening this year, um, that's going to continue to sort of shape what we become and, and how we serve clients and help, uh, help us all kind of figure out where is this industry headed? Where is the client, uh, sort of market headed? Uh, and I'm really excited about that personally. And, and it's a, it's a personal passion of mine. Um, I'd say, I'd say the other piece of it is, uh, this year I think is going to be, uh, um, at least for me, uh, it's going to be big in terms of figuring out what is this augmented and virtual reality space going to mean for our profession. Mm. We're literally at a time right now that I haven't seen since 1994, 95, 96, where we're going to go from one way of thinking and expressing to another, we're going to go into interfaces that are completely driven by voice. Uh, we're going into going into experiences that are no longer about clicking or even swiping and tapping. They're going to be about gesture, about the intention of where someone's looking, where are you personally focusing on on a environment, for example, and well, how does that environment respond to you? Giving objects, physical objects and virtual objects, emotion and personality and and uh, reactions to you as, a, as an individual. I think it's, it's all just, yeah. I could talk about this for a whole nother podcast. It's, it's really fascinating for me. And I think getting into that this year is going to be, uh, you know, the next few years is going to be really profound. Yeah. Really, really glad you brought that up. I mean, just, just adding on to that, the, the thought of, um, fully immersed, um, almost fully immersed teleportation, you know, seeing, I don't know, the, the tour of, 
the African safari or <laughs> the uh, Eiffel Tower without actually leaving your uh, current physical surrounding is is a remarkable thought um so it'd be interesting to see how that affects um the entire uh marketing world as well so uh and, and uh, communications world yeah and the and the way that businesses are built think about think about those tools used in high risk environments where traditionally you'd have to literally put people's uh, uh health on the line to go mm-hmm to go into places that were unsafe for people or required a lot of significant and expensive training to do so. And you could do that in now virtual spaces with other tools. And again, those, those interfaces are going to shape the way that we build businesses and shape the way that we think about our interaction with the world, even if it is something like uh, planning a vacation or, or learning in an educational environment Mm. about stuff on the other side of the world. So exciting. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so Nelson, uh, how can listeners get in touch with you online? Um, uh, gosh, I would hate to say Google me because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, pretty straightforward. I try to use my uh, first name, last name on almost everything. I'm uh, Nelson Kunkel on Twitter, which is always a great place to start. Um I'm not really a Facebook user because it just makes me feel awful about my life. Everyone else clearly has the perfect life and they have great kids that go on vacations all the time to beaches and exotic, exotic locales. So I don't, I don't do that, but, um, everywhere else, uh, 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 Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Nelson Kunkel on LinkedIn. Um, it's always a great place perfect. to start. Thank you so much, mate, um, you know, for making the time to uh, be here on the Giant Thinkers podcast. You've given us so much to think about and reflect on, and I wish you continued success on every level. Thank you as well. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity. How about that? What an episode. I had such a blast chatting with Nelson and reckon I could have easily spent another hour with him. Thank you to each and every one of you that has tuned in. Whether you're a longtime follower of Giant Thinkers or a new listener, I hope you were able to find something valuable in this conversation. I'm sure Nelson would love to hear from you guys. So hit him up on Twitter at Nelson Kunkel. Now for a little teaser, our next guest was previously the global chief creative officer for Fitch Worldwide and is a household name for any creative that has ever sought advice on negotiation in their professional career. He's been heavily active in the design and communications industry for over 40 years, and his mission is to help creatives get what they're worth. I'm super excited for you all to hear his expert recommendations. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a quick review on iTunes by heading to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review. I love being able to connect with you one-on-one, so feel free to drop me a tweet or a snap when you're listening. Uh, my handle is at the giant thinker on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. Before you race off, one last thing, a reminder to check out Igloo. That's I-G-L-O-O. It's modern cloud-based intranet software, a central meeting place that connects people, information, and processes. You and your team have access to what they need using tools they already know. Igloo has been recognized as one of the fastest growing technology companies in both Canada and North America, alongside names such as Tesla, 
LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. If nothing else, you've got to see their very quirky 30-second video. Head to giantthinkers.com slash igloo. Now, wherever you are in the world, I hope you found inspiration here, and I hope you can share it with those around you this week in some way or another. Take care, be kind to each other, and I'll catch you on the next episode. 